the objective to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. S here, Lauren joining me as always. It is Thursday for us as we are recording this. You are listening to this on Friday morning, hopefully, afternoon, maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe at night. Who knows? Um, but, ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you guys tapping to the Objective Basketball Podcast. Lauren, how you doing? I am doing grand. Uh, the Mavs beat the Rockets this week, which was a fun matchup. I've got a bunch of friends in Houston, so there was a little bit of trash talk there. So uh, nice. I was looking forward to it, and uh, it was a good one. So, uh, yeah, things are good. Things are good. That was a good game. Uh, it actually, Shang-Gun, yeah, it, was little, it was. It was good. It, it was it was chippy. Uh, it, was it was a little chippy, chippy with, between Dylan Brooks and Luka Doncic, but it was also fun because Shangun and Lively. That was a fun little matchup. Shangun kind of ate his lunch. I'm not gonna lie, but the Mavericks won regardless. Yes. Uh, it was it was a fun matchup for you know the the basketball lover and me. We were actually having this discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we could quickly do this. I don't know. I was having sure. this discussion with people uh, earlier. But it's like, what are the top five watches of the NBA? Like, who are the top five most, like, entertaining players to watch? We were having this discussion because we were like, oh, man, like, Steph is getting older. KD is getting older. LeBron is getting older. Those guys are usually appointment television. Who is top five now? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, That's hard. And I said, I had Ant Edwards in there. Anthony Edwards. Uh, I had SGA in there. Uh, I put Luka Doncic in there. I put okay. Alperun Shengun in there. You I put, put Shengun in, in there. Yeah. He's fun. Uh, He's and then, fun. you know, I, I ran with with uh, the Sacramento Kings in general. I love watching the Kings. But, I yeah, I don't know. Too. I, I kind of threw this to you on the spot, by the way. We had, no, 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 this is not in any of the it. notes or anything, so I'm I sorry. Would say, I would say – no, 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 you're good. I would say I'm up there with – I would say SGA and Luca. I would put Tyrese Halliburton up there, and then I would oh, yeah, probably yeah. say for my fifth – Oh, I'm gonna get some heat for this. Now I'm not gonna sit. No. Is that a hint? Are you saying Jimmy Butler? No, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I'll probably stick with. Actually, I'm gonna switch gears. I'm gonna say Jokic, kind of staying on similar to Chain Goon. I think watching Jokic and and not just what he does, but how he brings everything together, similar to yeah. how Luca does, mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. makes it so fun to watch. So I'm gonna. I was going to say, and I'll just take it. I don't even care. I was going to say Trey Young because there were a couple of times that I saw Trey Young Trace last fun. season, and yeah. it's a very controversial thing to sit, to give Trey Young any love in the Dallas area. Um, hey, he's he's a former Maverick, technically. He is a former Maverick, Maverick great. But there there were a couple of times last year that I saw Trey Young in person. And I was watching the ball move when it was when John Collins and uh, Mm -hmm. Clint Capella were out there. And I was like, this is kind of mesmerizing. There are just times where I'm like, it's so fluid and it's so, and obviously it's not always like that over in Atlanta, but I think there are times when I really do enjoy watching him play, but 
yeah because of the rivalry i will give the spot to Jokic and (laughs) fair enough fair enough yeah um i i'll also say this is like a guilty pleasure of mine i love watching jalen brunson he just reminds me so much of one of my favorite players of all time and kyle lowry and uh i love watching him like he's just like He's the he's my type of guard, you know. When I go yeah. out there and I try to hoop at the LA Fitness, he's my type of guard. The old That's school how I like classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, okay, so speaking of your Mavericks, uh, there were it was massive news, huge news. Uh, first, it was that you know Mark Cuban was selling off and and quitting Shark Tank and leaving, and then you know shortly after it was that he was selling his share of the Dallas Mavericks. He is no longer mm-hmm. the majority owner. Miriam Adelson, he she is one of the richest women in the world. Um, yeah, she is now the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I don't know much about the family or the Adelsons mm-hmm. at all, really, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, I know that Cuban is kind of shifting to still be the majority decision maker, uh, it's especially when it comes to basketball operations, but he no longer has the stake, if you will, financially in the team. Uh, now, there's speculation about what that might mean. Maybe <laughs> some people thought he might be running for president. Uh, I, Mark Stein confirmed that he has no plans currently to run for president, although that could change at any point mm-hmm. in time. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like had a dream. I was like, huh, I wonder what Mark Cuban would be like if he tried to run for president. Like you would, I don't know. Anyways, um, the, the Mavs have been sold after a very long time, very, yes. very long time. And, and maybe I'm underselling the, the key part here. $3.5 billion for the Dallas Mavericks. If you will remember, uh, Mark Cuban bought the Mavericks in, I think, 1999 or something like that. Uh, and he mm-hmm. bought them for $300 million. So right. that is quite the return on investment. Uh, I guess I'll just kind of throw it to you. As a Mavericks person, as a person who has covered this team, followed this team very closely through the entirety of your life, you've only known Mark Cuban as the owner. Right. Um, That's crazy. How? <laughs> yeah. How does that feel? What is the transition like? Like, I guess, what's the temperature check on the fan base in this moment? Like, what is what's going to happen with the future of this team? If yeah. You will? Especially being no know, I... knowing that like. Miriam Adelson, she's she's like a majority stake owner in Las Vegas Sand Corps, and it was like some people were saying, "Oh my God, are the Mavericks going to move to Las Vegas now?" Yeah, right. I don't know. I'm I don't I doubt they would, but right. where where do you, where are you at with the new ownership change? Yeah, so there's there's a lot to take away from it. I think the biggest thing is that I think a lot of Mavs. Okay, this is not the biggest thing, but one of the things that I think Mavs fans would love is the fact that. With Mark Cuban leaving Shark Tank, there's no, oh, Mark Cuban did not show up to free agent meetings because he was filming an episode of Shark Tank. That has been an issue in the past that a lot of people, <laughs> or there have been like horror stories that people have hung on to and keep bringing up for to just throw up in the air when things go wrong. And it's just horrible. So I'm glad that we don't have to even think about that anymore. Um, but as far as the timing of the two announcements, I do think that it was interesting and strategic and i yes i saw what mark stein said about the the presidential run but i i really don't think you can rule anything out if i'm being completely honest and that is just (laughs) a day in modern america um but that's just that's just my thought um i have no idea what the future will hold there but i thought the timing was really wild that was not something that i saw coming at Mm -hmm. all um i think it's i mean I think it's really interesting because while Mark Cuban is like a huge business mogul and just 
a huge presence in Dallas. He is he is the Dallas Mavericks. Like he is so yeah. His his personality and and, and obviously the fact that he's going to retain control and he's going to stay at the games is a huge thing, but and obviously 3.5 billion dollars getting that is is a big deal, but for him to 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 really go through with that sale is is a big big deal. And so I have no idea what the future will hold for him and obviously, you know, I'm excited to see what it does hold for him. I'm also very excited about the possibility of some gambling changes potentially coming mm. to Texas because it looks like um he's hoping to sort of pursue uh, a casino uh gambling and gambling is specific gambling is legal in Texas and so but I do think right. that there's going to come a time where that changes and I think this deal and doing it specifically with who he sold it to is going to be a big part and sort of potentially not I'm obviously that you can't shift it overnight but I think they're this is kind of a big domino in in the grand opening scheme up of, the of, of gambling and and on sports and and um in Texas and so and and in Dallas I mean it would I mean between the Cowboys the Stars the Rangers the Mavs I mean it would just be unbelievable and so I think this is a huge step towards that which I'm really interested to monitor um but mm-hmm. I also think the uh, the last thing that I wanted to say on it uh as far as the um him retaining the sort of um the control while while retaining a small sh- percentage uh I think as far as the Mavs are concerned, there's not that much is going to change. I don't think we're going to feel yeah, a huge yeah. shift. I don't think there's going to be much that changes. So I think Mavs fans kind of know that and are going to keep seeing him at the game. So that isn't really anything that's going to be crazy. I will be interested to see if with a new owner, there are changes that you don't foresee just because we still see Mark Cuban and all of a sudden things are changing. Oh, okay. This was the last thing that I was going to say. Mark also mentioned that a big goal of his and a plan of his is to build a new stadium, which is something Mm. that has been talked about for a while. And so I don't know the exact timetable for that. Um, I forget when the American Airlines Center um, lease or ends whenever that whole situation ends I, I can't recall but i know it's sometime in 2020 i believe and uh i expect that you know soon enough we'll have a new stadium which will be fun and sort of uh symbolize this next era of uh mavericks basketball at the very least fix the leaks D- God, doesn't, they, doesn't it leak all the time in american airlines arena i feel like okay well the whole court situation <laughs> uh yeah. like, right the whole there are court's, some problems there have been it's some damp problems in there what's going on i i have no idea if you could please provide some context because pascal pascal got hurt last year slipping That's and sliding nice. on that court really um, i didn't know that yeah right. he he he, pull, he pulled his groin he was out for like four weeks because of it yeah um, i've seen some people slip i also I have to give like a uh, something that I I didn't realize. So I've obviously growing up going to the American Star- American Airlines Center my whole life, but I when I first started going to some Spurs games and I saw like the quality of the arena and the food that they serve and the infrastructure, I was like, right, it's like a different story. <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> well, yo, yes, you know what? So. <laughs> it's crazy. So like, um, it I say the same thing. You know, Scotiabank Arena, they're going through massive renovations uh, mm-hmm. over the next couple of years. Like they're they're spending tons of money on it. I, I can't even remember. It's like $300 million on just mm. renovations and whatnot. It's like stupid amounts of renovations. That's wild. But it's funny because Scotiabank Arena is a pretty old arena. Like it's, I think it's maybe 20 plus years old, okay. 25 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's like in that millennium mark where like Staples Center became an arena, American Airlines mm-hmm. Center became an arena. So all these arenas are like similarly built. But mm-hmm. then I went to Detroit, okay? And mm-hmm. Little Caesars Arena was built like four years right. ago. And it's state of the art. It's like really? the greatest experience I've ever seen in my life. Barclay Center is also a great arena. Um, and just oh, the yeah. viewing experience in Brooklyn is sick too. I, I like these newer arenas, they destroy, they blow yeah. these other arenas <laughs> out the water when I it comes to design yeah. and everything like that. So. I mean, look, n- arenas are an important part of this entire thing. I know OKC is dealing with their own arena issues right now and trying to get a new arena set up and going. But um, yeah, maybe that's part of this ownership change. Maybe it's just updating yeah. and upgrading things. So you, I agree that nothing changes in terms of the day-to-day basketball yeah. operation the, of this team. I don't think Miriam Adelson is coming in and saying, hey, we need to trade Kyrie Irving. But <laughs> right. um, I, I do wonder... I guess, sorry, Adel, did I say Adelson? Oh, sorry, I don't know. Um, no, no, that's right, I, that's right. Yeah, I do wonder, just like long-term, what the implication is for Cuban, because he. you're right, he has been such a massive and vocal part of the NBA, uh, massive and vocal part of the Dallas Mavericks. He's been one of the more like prominent owners, if you will, like people mm-hmm. just know Mark Cuban. Uh, right. So I, I'm curious to see what this transition is for him personally and like what that yeah. means for his future uh, because he's like, it's like him and Steve Ballmer as the two guys <laughs> you think of immediately as as guys NBA. that are owners of of NBA teams, and it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what he's going to transition to next. I'm kind of curious, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I, yeah, yeah. I think I think the the potentially the gambling stuff when it does come to fruition is going to be like an insane cash cow. Um, yeah. I I also think that the arena project is going to be pretty massive i mean he's going to want to i think he's gonna have a big role in that when it does come when it probably the biggest role and so i think he's going to try and do everything he can to make it as unbelievable and and crazy and such a unique thing um and so i think that as far as anything anything any big picture items that a new owner would potentially bring I obviously don't know for sure, but I feel pretty confident that Mark's negotiation of that deal and however it went down, he would not allow for some drastic, even if it were something like, okay, well, the profit margin, oh, the the tax bill, the luxury tax or this or that. Well, yeah, that's actually part of it. I want to, I want you to kind of tell me, like, do you think this changes their willingness to go into I don't, I don't Mm. because I, and, and I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but knowing what I know about, or I I should say how I've seen Mark Cuban move and and run, make big decisions and and just what you see happen over a period of time, he is in control. He, and I I do not see him, even for the amount of money, I do not see him giving up even an ounce of that control or influence on how the money is spent, what the priorities are. Um, So I think, uh, that's that's my read on it. Again, I could be wrong, but I would truly be shocked if an approach uh, about any of that really changed. Interesting. Well, we'll see what happens. It's we'll these things kind of move at a snail's pace, like mm-hmm. uh, ownership changes. This like seeing the changes that a lot of that moves at a very very slow pace. Like bi- the business world, it is fast paced and it is fast moving, but also it feels like the ramifications, the actual like implications on the day to day. It takes a while before you see it to happen. Um, the Raptors, you know, for there, there's some 
implications that they may go, may be going through their own ownership changes. And, you know, Larry Tannenbaum is selling off his stakes of, of the team. And, you know, there's other teams that are trying to get involved in it for you. You might not know, but like mm-hmm. the Raptors are owned by Maple Leaf sports and entertainment, which it okay. owns pretty much all of the sports teams in Toronto, other than the Toronto right. blue Jays. And that organization is owned by the two, uh, telephone providers for the entire country. There's only two telephone providers in the entire country. It's Bell and Rogers. Yes, there's others, but like the two major ones, it's like mm-hmm. AT&T and Spirit, you know what I mean? Or whatever the yeah, hell it sure. is. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a Sprint? Did I Close say enough. Sprint? Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would say it's probably Verizon. I would say Oh, sure, probably. sure, you're right. But I like you know Spirit. What? I like the you first option. Let's Screw just roll it. with Spirit. Screw it. Boost Mobile, all right? Boost Mobile. <laughs> And uh, and AT and T. Okay. Uh, side note here, I every t- so Sham Strania, mm-hmm. he always does the breaking news AT and T, right? And I never understand why he calls it AT and T, right? It's AT and T. Not you know, it, yeah, not, yeah. It's it just, that's a side note. It's an aside. <laughs> it drives me nuts. I every time I'm like, bro, it's AT and T. It's not AT and T. Oh my god, it, it drives me nuts. Anyways. <laughs> Um, so yes, those the MLSE is run by those two. Uh, okay. so, you know, ownership change in that would have massive ramifications for the Raptors. It would have massive ramifications for the team, how willing that team is to go into the luxury tax before these two guys, before Bell and Rogers were owning, uh, this organization, it was the Ontario teachers pension plan. And when you're dealing with wow. pensions, it's like people don't want to risk things a lot. Yeah. So the Raptors we're not willing to go into the tax ever. Wow, you know, the Raptors not were not willing that. to, you know, so there's like, there's small implications of that. Uh, and oh, yeah. we'll see what the future holds for that team. We will also see what the future holds for the Dallas Mavericks because uh, very, very interesting there. And, you know, on the basketball side of things, I don't think there's much of an update from the Raptors side. They're figuring things out offensively. It's about the same as what it was last week in terms of our update. Uh, has anything changed in Mavericks world basketball wise for you? Uh, basketball wise, they got Derek Lively back um, and he was, you know, he was moving in practice. He only missed oh, I, it was one game and which was a huge, yeah. huge, um, I guess, win just because that fall was pretty scary and and his kind of inability to get up. There were some questions there and uh, you know, we've talked about specific injuries with big men and, and the ones that are very concerning and can have, you know, lingering or, you know, it doesn't take much to, to hurt a back or re-injure a back. And so yeah. um, to see him bounce back and, and be moving and, and not really even hiding or, or anything or, or turning away from any contact was a really, really good sign. And so I think the Mavs, you know, they know what they've got. And so they're trying to build with it. And um, as we get closer and closer to the deadline, we'll see how confident they feel. Transactions, baby. Yeah, I know. Michael Scotto, uh, he he oh, reported yeah. a lot of stuff recently. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with Pascal Siakam and the Raptors and how teams are kind of actively monitoring and seeing what direction they're going to go and whatnot. And yeah, I mean, look, that's going to be the conversation for this team moving forward for the next couple months until the deadline. Like they are what they are until they aren't. You know, um, and I think a lot of people, you know, seemingly the the offense is improving. They've gotten a lot better. The defense needs to get more consistent. But for the most part, like they have a very good defensive nucleus. Mm-hmm. They are what they are. And I, I'm not going to come on this podcast and keep saying that uh, they've their bench is improving. You know, they're getting more strides for them. I do think Darko Ryakovich is learning 
you know, head on first year as a head coach mm-hmm. and whatnot. But ultimately, it's just for for us, for the Raptors, it's more just like waiting to see what yeah. the decisions for this team will be, you know? Yeah, I actually have a question for you. Um, and it's more of like a do you agree with with this statement? Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of goes back to how I view the the Raptors and where they could go moving forward. Yeah. I guess the statement is, is do you would you agree that the, the Raptors have an identity with their nucleus and their core, but that the pieces just are not fitting together. Yes, I would. Um, how would yeah. I think, or, or how would you describe it? How would you describe right. it? I think Darko has a specific identity. He wants this team to play. It's mm-hmm. this fast pace, move the ball, shoot the ball a lot, off ball cutting. Sacramento Kings are probably a good example of this, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's play sure. like the Sacramento Kings. Let's play like the Golden State Warriors. The issue is you don't have the personnel to play that type of style. They don't have the shooting. They don't have the ball handling. They don't have the secondary creation. They have a lot of redundancy on the wings, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's kind of square peg, round hole type of situation right okay. now. Uh, but I do think they're finding a balance. And I think Darko is kind of, uh, leaning into some of the stuff that they did last year, whether it's more isolation possessions for Pascal Siakam, whether it's more pick and roll for Dennis Schroeder and Jakob Pertl, uh, whether it's more pick and roll for Scotty Barnes, which is something new, a new wrinkle that we've seen recently. Uh, so yeah, I think he's leaning into some stuff that we've seen last year. Um, and they're kind of finding a balance between those things. Ultimately, I think they're kind of lending, they're leaning towards what the ideal version of this team will be in the next couple of years versus what it is right now. And it's like, hey, let's lay the foundation for what this team will eventually be and the style for which this team will eventually play, even despite not having the players that we want to play this style. Technically, we have Scotty. We we need Scotty to learn this style and pick up the style very quickly because we think that's what he's going to succeed in. But everybody else, it's like, let's try to make shift this thing until we get to the point where we have the personnel around Scotty that works, you know? Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. There's, there's, you know, some around the league stuff that we should mention. Primarily, it's the in-season tournament. The in-season tournament is over. The group stage is, I should say, is over. And we have eight teams advancing in the Western Conference. It is going to be the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Phoenix Suns and the Sacramento Kings against the New Orleans Pelicans. In the Eastern Conference, it will be the Milwaukee Bucks facing off against the New York Knicks and the Indiana Pacers taking on the Boston Celtics. Now, we'll do a quick prediction thingy. Just like, you know, going through, seeing what we like, seeing what we don't like, what might work. We will start with the Western Conference, the Lakers taking on, you know what? Yeah, let's start with the Western Conference. The Lakers taking on the Phoenix Suns. Who do you like most in that matchup? What do you think works the best? The Lakers have been meh to start this season, to be fair. But they've been great in the in-season tournament, and they've Mm -hmm. been winning their games there. So how do you feel about them and their chances? You know, I do think that the Lakers are going to win that one. And and I'm pretty low on the Lakers right now just because I think there's they're still dealing with figuring things out. But I think mm-hmm. Phoenix is really struggling to just get any everyone on the floor and keep them on the floor. Uh, so because of that, I do, I do think the Lakers are going to win that matchup. The NBA season is heating up and there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Whether you're looking to hammer a Pascal Siakam player prop 
or ride the money line with Legault and the Lakers, our partners at Sign Up Expert want to make sure you're ready to sweat your bets with one of the best. Sign Up Expert is hooking up our listeners with one of the newest sports books available in Canada, Botano. Botano is home to some of the best odds when it comes to betting on the NHL and offers unique markets, including virtual soccer and basketball. All you have to do is get started, is scan the QR code on your screen, or click the link in our description to register and place that first bet. If you thought Dame Dollar being traded to the Bucks has been the best surprise of the season so far, wait until you try Botano. Don't walk, run to check out Botano today. Scan the QR code or hit the link in the description to get started and start sweating your bets with the best. Always remember to bet responsibly and within your means. Viewers must be 19 plus to sign up for Botano. Once again, link in the description. Yeah, so the only thing that kind of gives me pause, I would have I would have probably said Phoenix would win this. Me too. Um, but Devin Booker got hurt last night against mm-hmm. the Toronto Raptors. He was hobbling. Uh, he had like a calf or an ankle situation going mm-hmm. on. So I don't know his availability for next week. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of puts into question how the Suns are going to look in that situation. So I probably agree with you, Lean Lakers. I also think some of the size stuff, Anthony Davis versus Yusuf Nurkic. That's a clear matchup advantage for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, AD has fared pretty well against the Suns for the most part. I think LeBron will be up for that game. I, I think in general, like you're going to get some really good performances from all of these guys because it's the in-season tournament, chance to go to yeah. Vegas, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I would probably lean Lakers as well just because of the injury questions with the Suns. Uh, yeah. And also knowing firsthand, you know, I watched Raptors Suns last night. The Suns don't deal with size very well. Like if a team can kind mm-hmm. of body them in the paint and and be this bruising type of team in the paint, you saw it with the Raptors and Mavericks game. Um, <laughs> I, I think the Lakers can do some of that to the Suns as well. Uh, and that's kind of my question moving forward with Phoenix, actually. It's like, how are you going to deal with teams that are bigger than you? Like Jokic right. is going to cook against y'all. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves is a matchup headache for you, for you guys. I just I'm I have questions I guess I would say about yep. the size of the Suns even despite them having Durant and Nurkic and you know Utah Watanabe is 6-9 and Keita Bates Diop is 6-9 and whatnot but they don't seem too big to me they don't no. seem like they're a massive team whereas like Minnesota you go you go up against them it's like you're that that space <laughs> you jam look up. Meme, you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's like a different story the Nuggets you you go up against them it's like that space jam meme and I think yep I don't know. There's that's probably the question I have for Phoenix moving forward. Not even in season tournament exclusive, just in general. Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely. I've got I've got the Lakers. I've got the Lakers in that one. West sticking with the Western Conference, we've got Sacramento versus New Orleans. Now, to be fair, New Orleans has cooked Sacramento in their matchup so far this season. They haven't played in the in season tournament yet, but they will. Um, who do you like in this? Because the Kings, mm. they are looking much better now that yeah. De'Aaron Fox is back. They look mm-hmm. incredible. I I'll, I can pull up the plus minus really quickly while you give me your predictions. But, like, they look great now with Fox they back do. in the lineup. But also the Pelicans are healthy, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, CJ McCollum back. is back. Trey Murphy apparently is going to be making his debut on Friday. So mm-hmm. the Pelicans are also very healthy going into this game. Where do you lean? Because this is a tough one, in my opinion. I, I, I'm it is kind a tough of split. One. Uh, it's a tough one. And I, oh, man. The matchups throughout the year, I tend to be like, that is a big, you can't ignore that. However, I'm probably going to ignore it. Only because I do, tr- <laughs> I just trust, 
I don't trust New Orleans, and I hate to say that, but I just I can't. Tr- I don't trust them quite yet, and I hope that they prove me wrong because we had mm-hmm. a lot of fun talking about them last year. But right now, I think Sacramento just yeah. has with when it be with it being like a one like a do or die win or go home. I trust a team that has more continuity and that has more. Um, what's the word? Just cohesion overall. I, I feel like New Orleans yeah. is on a good stretch, but and they've had good moments. But I think overall there have been a lot of um, like slapping a bandaid on things moments, and I feel like Sacramento is in a right. completely different spot. So I just trust them a little bit more. So I'm going to go with Sacramento. It's fair to trust the cohesion of the Kings. They are a well-oiled machine at this point on offense. And when it comes to De'Aaron Fox, uh, plus 8.3, career high in plus minus for him this season. They are overwhelmingly better with him on the floor compared to him off of the floor uh, and him healthy. Like they're just a completely different team. Uh, And that's fair because, you know, behind him at the guard spot, they don't have anybody who can replicate some of that stuff. Davion Mitchell isn't Mm -hmm. necessarily that type of player. Keon Ellis, God love a soul, not that type of player. Um, And I I think ultimately like that, that is going to be a very, very important equation for the Kings who are like, they are healthy. They're ready to roll. They're looking better. Now, to be fair, Keegan Murray is dealing with a back injury. So maybe he doesn't play in this. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, I agree with you generally that, the Pelicans are sort of all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. They have stretches. I've I've watched a few of their mo- a lot of games this year of the Pelicans. They have stretches where they look like contenders, where Bi and Zion are on the same page, where their supporting cast is this stout defensive group that can get stops. Jonas Valanciunas is humming along as per usual. When CJ McCollum was healthy, he was knocking down an inordinate amount of his threes. He was a great release valve score. They're now getting Trey Murphy back, who is like a budding all-star at some point in his career. They, they like the talent is clearly there for the New Orleans mm-hmm. Pelicans. But I also have these moments where it's like this offensive system does not work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. like I I can't salvage it. Um, and I think it's weird because you have so much talent on that team. You have an incredible they're they're 18th in offense this season at 112.8 points per 100 possessions. It's pretty lackluster for a team that has that much offensive firepower between Zion, between BI. Part of that is the three-point shooting. Part of that is not having weapons to space the floor. There was a stretch, I think it was against the Utah Jazz, where n- no one was, no one wanted to take a three-point shot. Everybody mm-hmm. was scared to shoot on that team. And when you have a guy like Zion, who is this bruising paint presence, dominant paint presence, you need to have guys who can stretch the floor for you. Jordan Hawkins has been great for that exact same reason. You add CJ McCollum now, you add Trey Murphy, maybe that equation changes, maybe they right. start to look better. It all depends on the the lineup fluidity and whatnot. But I I think in terms of like just trusting a team for a one-on in-season tournament elimination game, I think I'm going with the Sacramento Kings as well. Uh because mm-hmm. yeah, I I like I, I think it's just you can trust it a little bit more like you said. So yeah, Kings and Lakers, okay? Uh, how do you feel about that matchup? It is uh, a historic matchup, if you will. Obviously, there's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of bad blood between the franchises. You know, the the upstart Sacramento Kings versus the historic Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I actually think I would very easily say the Sacramento Kings. I just, I, when it comes to the Lakers right now, 
I have a lot of questions of how they survive minutes without LeBron James. And maybe that doesn't matter for a, a, a one-off in-season tournament game in Las Vegas. And mm-hmm. ultimately, Vegas is going to have a lot of Lakers fans come to that game. True. Uh, it's pretty much a home game for the Los Angeles Lakers in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I just I have my questions about how this team sustains without LeBron during stretches, you know, when he's on the bench, when he's not playing, obviously it's a one-off single elimination game. So maybe that's not part of the equation, but Mm -hmm. going back to trusting something, going back to trusting a thing. And I think the, the, the offense of the Sacramento Kings, the offensive firepower is so much better than the offensive firepower of the Lakers. So far this Mm -hmm. season, the Lakers just look really, really, clunky offensively yeah, exactly. um and i think i'm gonna go with the kings as well kings in the in-season tournament final do you agree with me do you think it'll be laker do you think the kings are gonna win that lakers matchup i do think that they will and i'm it's funny that you said the word clunky because i was actually just talking to someone who covers the lakers and he used the exact same word to describe how they're fitting together and i mean Delo had an explosive performance the other night but it just yeah it, it's like, oh, you kind of get these surprise moments with them. It's not to me when I'm, it's not like a, oh, you know exactly what to expect or it's going to be this consistent formula. Like to me, it just, it's not quite figured out yet. And mm-hmm. so maybe it will be with this group. Maybe they're going to have a significant change. I don't know, but kind of going back to what I said about New Orleans, there are big questions that I don't quite have the answers to and that I don't fully trust. And because of that, I'm going to pick the Kings. Yeah, I I think I agree with you there. Um, I, you know, looking at LA's numbers, they're 24th in offense this season. They are, let's see, they are ninth in defense this season, but I think their, their net rating is bad. They're 19th in net rating. Their offense just hasn't been able to keep up with their defense. Now their defense has been very good, like ninth overall. Mm -hmm. They are getting stops. Anthony Davis sublime defensively as per usual. LeBron is buying in. Cam Reddish has been awesome for them defensively, even despite the lackadaisical point of attack defense of Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell. They're getting a lot of stops, but offensively, it just seems clunky, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's where I would lean Kings. So Kings in the in-season tournament final. Um, mm-hmm. Let's shift over to the Eastern Conference. Pick who's going to be facing the Kings. Between the Bucks and the Knicks, which I think is actually a pretty interesting matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, it's tough. I think this is going <laughs> to go down to the wire. Yeah, This I is going to go down to the wire. And Dame has been one of the best clutch players in the league this season. He's going to probably win the Jerry West clutch award. I would probably say the bucks, but in a very close nail biter type of game, the Knicks defense is solid as it comes. I just jumped on a Knicks podcast because the Raptors are playing the Knicks tomorrow. uh, And we were talking about the Knicks defense, just the buy-in from guys like Mitchell Robinson, Quentin Grimes, Julius Randall, RJ Barrett as well. Like there's a level of buy-in on the defensive end that I love. And I think that will cause a lot of problems for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. But I just trust the top-end talent of Milwaukee yep. a little bit more. It's about trust in these type of games, I feel like. It is. You know? 
Yeah, it is. And I hate to just be like, oh, this is so predictable. Oh, you just pick the top seed or, uh, uh, you know, whatever. (laughs) But but it's not it's not that simple. And I do think I agree with you that I think that it probably will go down to the wire. And I kind of am secretly hoping for like a Jalen Brunson explosion and then they sneak one by. That would be fun. But I do expect with what we've seen from Dame, like you mentioned, and also just Dame and Giannis as of late, I do expect them to to pull this out just because of the experience like the experience not saying that the Knicks don't also have a pretty decent amount of experience at this point but I think Milwaukee uh is just sort of they've got that edge of I know exactly what it takes to win and I'm make people adjust to my game and and I just think that Milwaukee is kind of ready to once again prove that hey we're you know we we are as good as we 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 believe we are and so I expect them to 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 win that one no, I agree with you. The, the one area where I could see New York getting the edge is their bench. Their bench has been awesome all season. Their bench is six and plus minus at 1.7. They've had an incredible bench so far this year. Quickly, Isaiah Hartenstein, Josh Hart, guys like that, they're stepping up. Uh, and they, they've had these really, really good lineups that they can play with. I think if there's a way for New York to win this game is for their bench to absolutely dust Milwaukee's bench. Milwaukee Mm -hmm. has struggled in the bench department this season. They haven't been able to get contributions from anybody outside of like six or seven guys. So that's the way New York can win this game, in my opinion. We'll see if that happens, but I think I would also lean Milwaukee in this one. Okay, now to the other side of the Eastern Conference in-season tournament race, the Pacers and Celtics. The Pacers, the Indiana Pacers, (laughs) they got to the freaking in-season tournament. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, they have the number one offense in the league. It's incredible. They're running away with the best offense in NBA history. The Celtics are also a great offensive team, though. They are really, really good on the offensive end. They are also very good on the defensive end. And I think that's where I would give them the edge. I think the Celtics will have more counters. There is a world in which this is an absolute shootout. This goes like 130 to 135 type of thing. But I think I lean Celtics more just because of their ability to get more stops. So I say Celtics, Bucks in-season tournament, Eastern Conference final. How do you feel about that? Oh, man. I do think... Listen, Rick Carlisle bias aside, Rick Carlisle bias aside. Here's the deal. I I think it will most likely be Boston. But I think that Chris Stapp's Porzingis injury is... We will see. We will see. So I'm, I'm wondering if that comes into play and any sort of we'll see so i'm gonna give it to boston because we we just got done talking about how dominant boston has been and how they're built to really take on anyone and i i mean i don't know where we both stand on them winning the whole thing and being favorites but i think we're both kind of on the same page with where we kind of view them and so really they're very good very very good it's hard to pick anyone over them and so i do I love the Tyrese Halliburton storyline that we've seen this year. And similar to what I just said about New York, I hope that they win. I hope that the, that the Pacers just, I would love it. I would love it to get an underdog or somebody surprising to either get to the finals, win the whole thing or both. Um, I think that's, what's so fun about the end season tournament. So I hope it's the Pacers, but I'm, I have to take Boston. By the way, it will happen. Like it will, I have no doubt in my mind. 
I, mm. we're, we're going through this in a very analytical way, describing it and saying, Hey, here are the pros and cons of each team winning. Here are their, their advantages, their disadvantages. But there will be a team in a single elimination game th- that gets hot, that you know cooks. Mm-hmm. And that could be the Indiana Pacers. It I very think, well could be. I'm changing my answer, as a matter of fact. I think that there is a world in which Boston is too reliant on the three-point shot. They're cold. Mm-hmm. Porzingis is right. not available. And the Pacers just roll. So okay. I am going to I'm going to vouch for the Pacers. And I am predicting them to beat the Boston Celtics. All I'm, fair. I, All is fair in it. love and war. I appreciate it. You had to do it. Back up your home. Somebody's Carlisle. Yeah, I got to I get it. I got to give Hallie the, the, I got to, I got to do it. (laughs) No, I appreciate it. I look, you know what? If there is any team, I think that can in a single elimination game, put a team like the Boston Celtics on their back. It is the Indiana Pacers just because of the way that they can score the basketball. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'm going to stick with the Celtics. You stick with the Pacers. It's all good. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Okay. Bucks and Pacers or Bucks and Celtics, where do you lean? I actually think either way, uh, the team that is between Pacers and Celtics will go on to the finals. I don't think the Bucks will move on to the in-season tournament final. I think it will be either the Celtics or the Pacers. Just because of the offensive firepower, I think if the Pacers end up getting to that point, they will be very, very you know motivated to make it to the finals. And, and I actually, I would love if it was the Indiana Pacers versus the Sacramento Kings <laughs> in an too. in-season tournament final. And if, like, if how, you had told, how is the, oh my God. Yeah. If you had told 2015 Lauren that was dying watching Cleveland, Golden State, Cleveland, <laughs> Golden State. If you had told Lo- that Lauren yeah. that we would see an in-season tournament with Sacramento and Indiana fighting for the title. I mean, what a like what? <laughs> That's crazy. So, um, you know, who knows what we'll get, yeah. but I I to I and sorry to cut I cut you off there, but I think similar to how I feel about the Lakers with questions, big questions and not fully trusting it yet i do think that whoever comes out of indiana or boston i do think we'll 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 move on as well because i just think that even with the top heavy talent i i don't think new york has the the firepower like we just got done talking about that but i do think that whatever team has the momentum to just be right there is going to is going to beat them yeah i'm i'm excited i'm very excited to see i'm also excited to see what the the Vegas aspect of this is right. Mm-hmm. Like some teams, they will end up playing on. So they're playing Monday and Tuesday in their home arenas. Right. And then they fly off to Vegas. They play on uh Thursday, I believe it is. And then the su- final is on Sunday or Saturday. I might be mixing up these days, whatever, but regardless, like the, the fact that you have to maybe travel from New York to Vegas and then stay in Vegas for three or four days I, I wonder how much of a factor that is. Maybe it's not yeah. a factor. Maybe it's not a factor at all. Maybe these teams are so highly motivated to win the five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> right. that they don't go out at the Aria and you know turn up. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Right. But yeah. at the same time, I, it's a factor. Right. One hundred percent. And I think it's just I think it's just another thing that makes this all predictable, a one-off, such a unique situation. 
Yeah. Uh, and because of that, that is what is fun about this. It's fun to see different teams. I mean, people are, no matter how you feel about like the in-season tournament, every single person, what do they say about the Lakers? Oh, they have dominated in this in-season tournament in the group play. They've really dominated. So that's something to hang on to. You know what I mean? And so uh, I, I think that even just in this one first year of this, just seeing how people can attach to a storyline with one specific team. Obviously it's the Lakers. So people are going to say what they're going to say, but you never know what young feisty team is going to get in there one year. Um, And I mean, just when the Mavs played the Rockets, they, they eliminated their, their possibility of, of getting uh, into the bracket stage, but they were right there up until that game. And so I love the unpredictable nature of all of this. And I hope that we have a true surprise in that final matchup. I, I hope that I, I was wrong on all of it and it's just chaos. That's what, that's yeah. what's so fun to me about this. If I, if I had to make a bet, given all eight teams, I do think that the Sacramento Kings are the most well-prepared to win this tournament. I, I know it's crazy to say that. I know it's I insane because crazy. Boston is the NBA you know, title favorites. We just spent an hour last week talking about how incredible they were. The Milwaukee Bucks, they obviously have Damon Giannis. The top-end talent is there. The Knicks, they're more playoff-proven, whatever. Um, the Lakers, LeBron and AD, you, know, you have Phoenix and all that stuff. I think... Sacramento has, I I hope I'm using this word right, verve. They have a verve to them, right? It's just like a spirit and an enthusiasm to the way that they play basketball that works so well towards single elimination hoops. Mm -hmm. It's the offensive firepower, but it's also trusting in the offensive firepower. And we saw that in the Golden State Sacramento game. They needed to only win by uh, lose by less than 12 or whatever it was, and they ended up winning that game. Why? Because there is a consistency to their approach. There is a consistency to the way that they kind of keep grinding at you offensively that they will never be too far away in any game. And I right. think you need that in, an, in a single, single elimination game. De'Aaron Fox is an absolute hooper. He won Clutch Player of the Year last year. He can be in those live moments, those big, big moments. He can step up for you. And I think their supporting cast is good enough to get it done. So my pick to win the in-season tournament, irregardless of all our predictions and things we just talked about, is the Sacramento Kings. I think they're going to win it all. Yeah. I uh, I don't – I mean, I don't, I don't hate that one bit, and I think uh... – I don't know. I mean, I agree with everything that you just said. And I think that there's a reason that no matter what happens with LA and Phoenix, there's a reason that we both have them in that final. And so uh, it will come down to, I think sometimes in a situation like this, the right blend of top heavy talent, youth pace, you know, not worrying about the miles that are getting on there. And I think uh, Sacramento is in a good position to really give people a run for their money and, and take it home. It would be an incredible story, Lauren, an absolutely fire story, thinking about the fact that, you know, Sacramento broke their playoff drought last year, the very first in-season tournament, you know, contest, and it's the Sacramento Kings that are going to be able to lift the trophy. Uh, It's something that people in the city of Sacramento will be able to tell their kids, you know, if that happens. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. I don't want to get too ahead of myself because if they end up losing against the Pelicans and it's just (laughs) like, oh, okay, all right, well, none of this mattered, but... (laughs) we'll see we'll see what happens i know i know i I don't want to get ahead of myself and be like oh congratulations but i do think that they they have a very good chance of winning this tournament i would say you you know i'm not i'm not gonna go ahead and bet on them but yeah 
Very, very good. Um, okay. Thank you very much, everybody, for tapping into the Objective Basketball Podcast. From Lauren, from myself, appreciate you guys for always listening. Tap in, do the liking, subscribing, and things you guys always do. And we will see you guys later next week for the in-season tournament catch-up, I guess, because, you know, the games will still be going on and maybe the Sacramento Kings talk will be stupid afterwards. But anyways, thank you very much for tapping in. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Follow house at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.